church. And as we move closer to the end of the world, to the end of all things, as we know it, I'm telling you, we need to be excited about the house of God and all that's going on in the house of God and all the people of God. So good to be here today. And we are going to look to the word of the Lord in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Very anointed scripture that has been used so many times and I'm reading and I know you're going to shut me down immediately thinking where I'm going but hang with me because I'm not going where you think I'm going you don't even know where I'm going yet do you let's read follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord Verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness bringing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Verse 15, looking diligently, lest, that word shows up three or four times in this chapter, lest any man fail of the grace of God. And that simply means that seems to come short of it. And that's my subject today, coming up short. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Savior, break the bread of life into our hearts and lives and open up understanding that we may know and receive from you what is needed today. And I ask your help. I ask your anointing. I ask your touch in the name of the Lord. Bring the word of God alive to us uh, that we may understand and comprehend in the name of the Lord. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Lest any man fail of the grace of God. Just a little introduction something that we mention often, Pastor and I, about the grace of God and the mercy of God being two different things, distinct and unique. One, mercy endureth forever. You cannot destroy mercy. You can't outlive mercy. You can't undo mercy. You can't trample underfoot mercy. You can't bring shame to mercy. Mercy endureth forever. But the grace of God is something that comes and goes with some. It can be trampled underfoot. It can be made useless to some. It merely means the teaching of the word of God. Grace is a teacher and mercy is a forgiver. So when God's mercy comes, his grace comes. The grace, his mercy forgives you for what you've had in the past and his grace teaches you how to avoid it in the future. So there are two distinct words, and you can find up various scriptures in this. We've preached and taught on this before, but just to remind you again today that uh, there are some that fail. They come short of the grace of God because they don't listen to teaching. And let me throw this in at this point, too. 
Church is more important than anything in the world today, more so than ever before. And that's why the scripture said, forsake not the assembling yourselves together as the manner of some is. And so as the manner of some is in our world, I read again yesterday that people are not going to church like they should and like they were in the past. And church attendance is down in a lot of places. But let me state it emphatically today. Church attendance should never be down here. You never know when a phrase, a paragraph, a statement, or something in a church service will be the very thing that you need to strengthen you and make you the better person that you need to be. So church is so important for young people, especially in our world today, where there's so much to draw. So this passage of scripture is very, very powerful for today, diligently, looking diligently, looking with seriousness and soberness and uh, understanding, lest any man, me, any man, you, woman, boy, girl, any person. It, uh, this is uh, totally off the subject. I just got to interject it because that word man in the Bible is being disputed. They like to take it out because they say that's sexist. But let me just remind you that when God was talking about man, he doesn't necessarily look at male or female. It's mankind. It's the human race. So lest anybody in the human race fail of the grace of God. Men are not particularly any different than women to God. We're both the same. And we're in the house of God today, and we don't look at one another as different people. We look at one another as the children of the Most High God. Aren't you glad you're blessed of the Lord? Aren't you glad you're blessed of the Lord? So he said, lest any person or any mankind fail, fail of the grace of God. Mercy never fails. Mercy never fails you. You can wake up every morning and do the Lord's Prayer as he taught us to pray and interject phrases of the Lord's Prayer that says, forgive us this day, today, right now. And that is afforded to us as children of God. But grace is something else. Grace teaches you how to be a better person. It teaches you how to live for God. Every epistle that Paul wrote doesn't end necessarily with mercy. One or two ends with grace and mercy, but all of them end with grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So the teaching, the admonitions of the scripture. So it's a strong, emphatic statement that we don't come short of what God wants us to be. And then it protects us from roots of bitterness and all the th things that come to us as far as things in life. And then he talked about Esau, uh, that lest there be a fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, who gave up what he had for some little thing and walked away from God, walked away from the privileged position that he held. And uh, then he said that he would have inherited the blessing. If he wouldn't have sold his birthright, if he wouldn't have walked away on that, he probably would have received the blessing, but he missed the blessing because he sold out early. Nah, that's a whole lesson and a whole message itself today. Don't sell out too quick. Don't sell out at all. In fact, put a sign on your heart, not for sale. I'm not giving up. I don't care what the devil does. 
I don't care what the world does. I don't care what politicians do. I don't care what the banking system does. I'm not giving up. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm in here to be saved. I'm here to go in the rapture. I'm ready to see Jesus come. I'm ready to see something happen in the church that will propel us into revival till Jesus comes. Oh, hallelujah. So he sold out, and therefore he missed the blessing. A lot of people live for the blessing, never understand the birthright. But I can tell you today, the birthright is really more important than the blessing. The birthright makes us a child of God. We're here today because we're children of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know what that does to you, but that makes me stand tall in a world of confusion. I belong to Jesus. He belongs to me. I'm his, and he is mine. Well, hallelujah. So he sold out and didn't get the blessing. And let me just emphasize, it's great to be in a church where we allow the spiritual blessings to flow throughout a service. But that's not all there is to it. You need the birthright. It's great to be a part of a church. We were, we were going to the prison services in Tehachapi years ago. And they told us, well, if you'll just come and sing, we'll let you come back. But if you're going to preach that doctrine, we don't want you to come back. You see, they didn't like the birthright. They only like the blessing. They like the feel-good thing about it. And I like the feel-good thing about it. Hello? Do you like the feel-good thing about church? I like to feel good about it. I like the blessing, but I love the birthright. Oh, hallelujah. I love the birthright. And he sold it out and didn't get the blessing. And then he was rejected because he found no place of repentance. And I could teach on that for a while this morning, too. We need to always have a place where we can repent. He said to do that every day. And when you do it every day, he does not charge you. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute sin. If you repent every day and you live for God and stay under the covering, uh, you can be saved because you're repentive. And that grace comes and teaches you to walk right. And then, then the, 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 the last phrase of that, he was rejected and found no place for repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. He waited too long. So today's world, if you're not careful, you'll wait too long to let God touch your spirit. Today is the day of salvation. Today's the day to be right with God. Today's the day to worship. Today's the day to live for God. Today's the day to lift your hands in service. Uh, today is the day to praise the name of the Lord. Today is the day to exalt the presence of God. Today is the day to magnify the Lord and exalt his name uh, together. Today is the day to live for God with all of our heart. There seems to be a place of repentance uh, and that seems to be, according to this scripture, that there is a place where you cannot find repentance. It depends on where you are. Now, I, I know that God is with us every day. You, when you have the Holy Ghost, he's with you every day. He's with you to help you and strengthen you, and you can find repentance. But you can get to a place in your carnal state of mind and backslidden of heart attitude that you cannot find repentance, uh, and therefore you need a church service to come to. And I want our church to be something people can come back to. I believe that we're facing a time in our society and world where people are going to start coming home. 
We're praying for prodigals. There's people that be that are at this church every Monday morning praying for prodigals. Uh, your children, my children, our children, uh, and those that we don't even know uh, that are distant from God. We want this place to be someplace uh, that people can find repentance. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know whether you ever need it or not, but I need it. And I never want to lose the place where I can come to the house of God and join together in the body of Christ and feel the power of his blood flowing through this body right here. And I can feel the power and the presence of forgiveness and know that there is something in the house of God for every one of us. Somebody ought to shout with me. I'm going to introduce something to you and we're going to go forward from here. Hebrews chapter 4 said, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem, seem to come short of it. There is a rest in the Holy Ghost. There is a place you can be in God that you are free from the laborious moments of guilt and confusion. And you can be in a place with God where there is rest in your soul. You may be tired in body. Don't stay home when you're just tired in body. Don't stay home when you just have a sniffle. If you're really sick, I understand staying home. Don't spread it. I understand all that. But don't just have an excuse to stay home. I don't ever want to come short of the rest that I find in the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. The promise of rest and the promise of repentance. Any of you should come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. It didn't profit somebody just to come to church. It didn't profit them just to hear preaching. You young people, I'm glad that you are in here today. Because your generation is not going to church. They've been disappointed with church. They've been disappointed with service. They don't like the songs that are sung that are too old and no anointing to it. And they don't like preaching this stale and, uh, and useless. But we have a church where it's not stale and useless. We have a church where you can feel as young people the power of God. There's a reason for us today to keep a church full of young people. Oh, hallelujah. I still rejoice that there's young people in our church. About 50 or 60 of them when we can get them all here. Elbow your neighbor and say, we got to help all of our young people get here. Because the world is scrabbing them, snatching them, trying to get them all mixed up. And while you're here, young people, and all of us, myself included, while we're here, we need to hear the gospel preached and put some faith with it and say, I believe it. I believe it. This and a few other Churches are the only churches in this city where you can find rest for your soul. You may not have rest for your body. We don't have couches and, and lounges here. We have chairs or we have pews uh, and we sit up and we pay attention because there's something more valuable than just having a body rest, a repose from 
our physical labors. We have a place where we can have a rest and a repose from our spiritual labors, our spiritual struggles, and the things that we go through in life that are adverse to us being a Christian, and we're fighting to hang on to what God has given to us. Let me just tell you, Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Get a grasp of it that you can never be shaken from it. Get a hold of it that nothing, no wind can blow and no storm can come and no disappointment can come that can shake you away from the house of God. I don't know about you, but this is the greatest place to be today in all the world. This is where the power of God meets us. So there is a foundation of faith and when we have the promise of entering into a rest, a peace of God, it, it, it's why we come to church. That's why we, from the front to the back, from the pulpit to the door, we have a powerful worship that brings peace and comfort, healing and rest to our soul beyond our body problems and sicknesses and health. We have a rest in our soul. Oh, somebody ought to rejoice today. Our world, our world doesn't have rest in their soul. That's why alcohol is a major part of everybody's communication this time of year almost. What party did you go to? What party are you going to? What are they serving? Well, we're having a party down at 1418 West Columbus, uh, and we're, 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 we're serving the new wine, the Spirit of God. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. Uh, see, it is very early in the morning, about the third hour, about 9 o'clock. We're not drunk, as you suppose, uh, but we're staggering, and we're worshiping, uh, and we're acting like drunk people. We're laughing at nothing. We're enjoying being in the house of God. Oh, I wish we could shout with a shout of victory and let hell know that we have come for the rest of our soul. We have come to have peace in our life. We have come to let God be a part of our spirit. Hallelujah. So there is a doctrine that's floating around in our world and they use the seventh day as their doctrine. So let me take you to the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse number 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested. Everybody say rested. He rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day. And sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. And then God invested the seventh day in the law. He said in the book of Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Here's just a part of that command, that same command, six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Those of you that only work four days or only work five days, you're disobeying this scripture. It said six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day you're supposed to stop from your work 
and rest. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Skipping to the 33rd chapter of the book of Exodus, 12th verse. <laughs> and Moses said unto the Lord, See thou, sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. Thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find gr grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Verse 14, and he said, the Lord said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. This is in the same era of time where they, the Lord interjected the seventh day in the law that they had to do according to the law. And so in this same era, this is now the 33rd chapter and the 20th chapter, he invested in the Ten Commandments. And the Lord is saying, my presence <laughs> shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. I'm glad to tell you today that uh, the seventh day rest is not enough. You, you, you have to get rest every night. Or if you work nights, you have to have rest every day. Or if you work all day and work nights, you have to sleep while you're on the job. If you'll catch this passage of scripture and the comparison, one is talking about a seventh day rest. And the other one, the Lord said, my presence, not just on the seventh day, but my presence shall give thee rest. Let's take it a little bit farther. The book of Deuteronomy, 12th chapter and the ninth verse. For ye are not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance which the Lord your God giveth you. Joshua, a little bit farther in the history of Israel. Joshua 21 and 43. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he sware to give unto their fathers. And they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord, the Lord gave them rest round about. According to all that he sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all the enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Now, in these scriptures, if you've caught it, there is a daily or a weekly seventh-day rest. But the undercurrent of it all is that God says, my presence is going to give you rest. And so there is a rest from work, and then there is a rest from the battles and struggles of promised land equipment. And I want to preach to you today that there is a rest beyond the midnight hour, and there is a rest beyond the repose of a day after a day's work. There is something in the Holy Ghost 
that in all the battles of life that you go through and the struggles of life that you go through, there is a rest in God. There is peace in living for God. The daily rituals and the daily humdrum of life and all of the confusion that's in our world today, there is a rest for the people of God. Oh, hallelujah. Now watch as I take you to the book of Isaiah as he introduces this into his prophecies in Isaiah 14 and verse number 3. And it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord shall give thee rest from thy sorrow and from thy fear and from the hard bondage wherein thou hast been made to serve. Here he's, he's making the trip. It's not the seventh day that I'm so concerned about you taking a little time for repose and, and stop from your labors. Uh, I'm going to give you something uh, that will help you rest from your sorrow. Oh, God, help us today. We all have sorrows in our life. We all have times when our life is plagued with sorrow. That's why we have church around here so often. That's why we have prayer around here so often. You can release it all to God. And in his presence, there's rest from the pressures of our world and the confusion of our society. And he said, I'm going to give you rest from your sorrow. I'm going to give you rest from your fear. I'm going to give you rest from your hard bondage uh, wherein thou hast been made to serve. Did you know the taskmaster called Satan is a hard taskmaster? He'll cause you to smoke till your lungs are black. I saw on Drudge the other day where a person had passed away and donated his organs to science or for replacement organ transplant. They showed a picture the, the, the doctor had rejected the lungs of the individual for organ transplant because it was black, tar, burnt their lungs, and they rejected it. I'm telling you, the devil is a heavy taskmaster. He'll make you think you'll be feeling better by doing the things that the world gives to you. We are in the opioid crisis in our world. I forget exactly the number, but it's in the thousands every year. If I'm correct, I may be wrong, but if I'm correct, 70,000 young people last year died. Individuals died from overdose of opioids. You talk about a taskmaster. You talk about a devil that puts pressure on people. I just want to tell you, I'm glad I'm in the church today. I can find rest from the pressures of bondage. And let me just say this to you, and I say it weeping as I say it. If you're addicted to drugs, prescription or otherwise, you need spiritual help. You need deliverance. You need to talk to people that's got off of it and found the peace of God and the rest of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody today. I just want you to know in the house of God, there is rest. There is peace. There's, hey, we're not talking about going to sleep and getting eight hours rest. 
I'm talking about lifting your hands and worshiping God and asking him to forgive you and asking him to cleanse you and asking him to walk with you. There's peace in that. You can release yourself of the troubles and the sorrows and the bondage of life. I know I'm preaching to the choir because most of you are not addicted. But there is one addiction that we ought to have, and the New Testament church had it. You can read it in the book of Acts. They were addicted to the Word of God. I like people that love the Bible. I love people that love to read the Word of God. They were addicted to the Bible. They were addicted to the Scriptures. I want to say today I'm addicted to church. We did. I'm going to be preaching in a minute. We that have been around here a little while, we need to make sure that we have such powerful church that this group of young people will never see anything in the world that makes them want to trade what we have for what they have. I know most of you love church and you're here today on a Sunday morning but there's some that's not here that may be listening I want you to know that being with the body is the strongest thing in the world for us it's the best thing in the world for us it's the overcoming power it is the rest that we need that delivers us and gives us rest from sorrow from fear and from the bondage of sin. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. Come unto me. Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. I am meek and lonely. Matthew 11 and 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor. There is a labor that's different from working on the field working in the manufacturing plant, working at a car lot, working somewhere in a doctor's office. There's a labor in our world that has brought people down so low they don't want to go to church, they don't feel like going to church, and that same spirit can get on you. And if you're not careful, you'll miss the very rest that God has promised to give you. I'm here to tell you today that the house of God is more important than anything in the world because it is here that his grace and his mercy reaches us and we can find rest for our soul that goes through the battle. No wonder in the days of David that he said it so often and he related it especially in the 23rd Psalms. It was this statement, the Lord restoreth my Go to bed and get your eight hours sleep and you get up refreshed and you feel good and you're ready to face the world. But come to an apostolic church service uh, and I'm telling you, it won't last for a day. It'll last till the next week. It'll last throughout the next week. It's a rest uh, from all the labors that come to us uh, and the load of sin that's on us heavy every day and the effects of Satan. If you've ever felt the effect of Satan in your life, you need to be in the house of God. This is where the true rest is. This is where you can find rest for your soul. And he said, come unto me, all ye that labor. He wasn't talking about going to work. 
He, if that was the case, he left out those that don't go to work and don't labor. But he said, come unto me, ye that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me or learn from me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That shows what he's talking about. He's talking about the burden of Satan as compared, and the yoke of Satan and sin as compared to the yoke of Jesus. When you yoke up with Jesus, uh, his burden is light. You know why? When you yoke up with Satan, young people, when you yoke up with the devil, he doesn't pull his own weight except to get to you. They told me that Kingsburg was in the hospital the other day. She's the lady that's on the Supreme Court that's 86. And the Democrats are scared to death she's going to die during Trump's administration. And so somebody said that she was in the hospital and somebody else said that, bro brother, no, no, no. President Trump. <laughs> President Trump said, we're praying for her. She's at death's door. We're going to pull her through. When you take the devil's yoke upon you, he's going to pull you through, but the wrong direction. But when you take the yoke of Jesus upon you, he starts pulling with you, not against you. You know, the power of darkness is death. The powers of sin is death. The powers of Satan is death. But the power of God is life. I know it's scripture, I know it's just written, I know it's just in a book, uh, but if you could take some faith in it, the power of God is life, and the yoke of the world is death. It's a heavy load. That's why there's addiction so rampant in our world, and it's not just the addiction of our world, it's the offshoot, or the product of, or that which it produces that brings death to other people, killings and murders and strife because of the addictions that the devil pulls you into and the struggles of life and the television that gives you all that side of life and downplays church and you feed yourself of all that from Hollywood and you don't really understand the power of church. But let me just tell you, friend, when you come to the house of God and you yoke up with Jesus and you learn of him, he's pulling with you. He's saying, come on, you can make it. You can overcome. You can be a child of mine. You belong to me. Well, hallelujah. I will give you rest for your soul. Somebody ought to shout with me. You ought to recognize that coming to the house of God is a powerful thing. Oh, hallelujah. I'm starting to feel good in the Holy Ghost right now. I feel like God's talking to somebody that's burdened down with life and the struggles and sorrows of life. And you want something to help you through life. 
If the world won't do it. Uh, they'll tell you you don't have to serve God. You don't have to go to church. Uh, you don't have to live that way. Some relatives will tell you you don't have to live that way. But let me tell you, God says, if you'll come to me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. I'll give you rest from your sorrows. I'll give you rest from your fear. I'll give you rest from your burdens of life and all that's put upon you. No wonder that people are slumped shoulders and they're stressed in their foreheads and they're angry today. You better be careful how you pull out in front of somebody in a car today. You better be careful walking down the street today. You better be careful how you deal with people in our world. They don't just go in their house and shut their door and forget about it. They go in their house and get their gun and... Too many people's died from lead poisoning. Here we are today, faced with these kind of things in our world. Where are we going to find what we need? You're going to find it in a church. And I've said this so many times this morning. You're already tired of me saying it. But I'm here to tell you, this is the best place to be in all the world. Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. Philippians 2 and 5 said, Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Let this mind get a hold of what Jesus thinks, how he thinks, and how he wants you to think, and what he wants you to do, because he's the one that's promised you rest. I'm feeling right now somebody in this congregation has come to the place in your life where you are tormented and struggling with life and all the burdens of life. And you've never learned to repent. And you've never learned to worship. And you've never learned to rest in God. Have you ever really been in a service? How many of you have really been in a service where you may have come to church tired, but when you first lifted your hands and you started to worship the Lord and the Holy Ghost began to move, is there anybody in this house that suddenly felt refreshed? Is there anybody in this house that suddenly felt victorious? Is there anybody in this house that began to recognize a load has been lifted? Oh, hallelujah. You ought to be shouting. You ought to be raising your hands. You ought to be lifting your voice. And you ought to be thanking God that there is a powerful victory for you, for me, for this church. Oh, hallelujah. Take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. And you shall find rest for your soul. The yoke of the Old Testament was a repressive yoke. You had to have the slaying of an animal, the shedding of blood. You had to make sure that everything was done so right. You had to make sure that everything was in tune with the priest. When you woke, when you yoke up with Jesus, you will find that he is the great one. He's the one that will pull the load with you. I've come through a trial or two. I don't know what I would have done in those moments that I came into my den and fell on my face 
front of that fireplace said, God, I need your wisdom today. I need your help today. How many times have you got to the place where you really didn't know where to turn or what to do? But God gave you the answer. Because when you yoke up with him, he leads you beside still waters. He brings comfort to your soul. And instead of your cup being empty, it what? My cup runneth over. Oh, hallelujah. I've got to stop now because I want you to have an opportunity to stand and come forward to the front of this auditorium. This is not talking about a repose from your work and labor. This is talking about a rest from the spiritual battles, the heavy load of life. And I'm telling you, you can find rest for your soul. It's a rest for your soul. This is not a seventh day rest. This is a seven day rest. Would you stand with me right now? And would you face the enemy of your soul and the problems of life and say, I have found a seven day rest. Could you lift your voice? And let the devil know that all he has to offer is a seventh-day rest, maybe. But I have found a seven-day rest. I found a rest not just for my flesh, but I found a rest for my soul. <laughs> Woo! Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the way, see and ask for the old past. Wherein is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your soul. But they said, we will not walk therein. Here's the crux of the matter this morning. Here's the climax of our lesson this morning. We're offering you rest for your soul. Are you going to be like these that rejects the good way? The old paths? You're going to say, we will not walk therein. If you walk out of this building without seeking God, I have failed to do what I came to do today. I came to convince somebody that there's rest for your soul in the house of God. I wonder if this church could help me right now as we pray for somebody in this building, somebody that came today. You may have been here Tuesday night. You may have been here last Sunday. You may have been here for prayer and Bible study on Thursday. Uh, but you're tormented with the world. And the enemy is beating against your soul. I came to tell you that there is a place in God that you can have rest for your soul. I wonder if we could just gather in today. Everybody. This will give everybody a chance just to walk down to the front. Saint, sinner, backslider, whoever you are. There's peace in living for God. There's victory in living for God. The refusal was, we're not going to walk therein. The refusal was, we're not going to be a part of the rest. We're going to live in our torments. We're going to live in our struggles. We're going to live in our failures. But there is victory today. There is victory. There is victory today. There is
One more time, let's sing this beautiful song. presence in his holy presence the weary can find perfect rest the broken are restored in his presence in his holy presence there's nothing like the presence of the Lord I want us to sing it one more time and I want you to hook on to this as we've taught today with this song.